0: And try again.
1: Torah Resource presents The Rob and Caleb Show. All aboard! And now, from two sides of the same state, here they are, Rob and Caleb. Oh,
0: what up? And Shalom! Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. My name is Caleb Haig, and with me, as always, my friend, my mentor, my teacher, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? Shalom, Caleb. How's it going?
1: Shalom. It's going well.
0: All right. Oh,
1: God is good. It's a beautiful
0: spring time. Oh, man, the, the spring finally hit here, too. Yeah, we, we're getting it good. It's funny. I actually had some friends in from Germany uh, for t- 10 days in the past. They left a couple days ago, but... Uh, And it was horrible here. It it rained. It was gusty. It was disgusting. Nothing was good about it. And then they left. And the day they left, it was like 75 degrees and gorgeous.
1: (laughs) And you're telling them, yeah, really, it's really beautiful (laughs) here.
0: Exactly. All right, well, hey. Uh, welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show, all you who are listening, our uh, 35 listeners, as we like to joke. I here. think it was 36. 36 now. We Remember even, Aaron told me that. Yeah, that's right. He's number 36. Excellent. Well, if you're one of those 36, we sure do appreciate you tuning in and listening to us. We're going to have a fun day today. Uh, it is Thursday, and yesterday was a Shabbat. It was a high holiday. It was Shavuot. And so I hope that you had a good Shavuot. Uh Yeah uh yeah happy uh late chevoot to you all and uh we're going to be looking at uh different sects of Judaism today uh before we get to that i'm jumping the gun here rob i'm going i'm going i'm getting ahead of myself uh before we do that i'd just like to let you know that if you want to be a part of this conversation, you can do so by shooting us an email radio at torahsource dot com that's radio at tosource you can also follow me on Twitter. At Caleb Heg, that's two G's and Heg, and you can also follow Rob Van Hoff on Twitter. That's right; he's not too old to have a Twitter account. He's at Rob Van Hoff. Is there
1: is there some cosmic significance to the fact that both our last names end with H and then a vowel and then two letters?
0: And that your let your name ends
1: with GG and my name ends with FF. F- F-
0: yeah, you know, I, I'm sure that the uh, the rabbis could have a heyday. Uh, with this, you know, somehow, somewhere, but uh, I... Let's just
1: leave it. Let's just put a pin in that one and we'll just... (laughs)
0: We'll we'll leave it. We're going to dedicate an entire show to that next one. No, I'm playing. Okay, so uh, you know how to get a hold of us. You know how to follow us. Do all that good stuff. Uh, Also, I, uh, you know, before we get started, I do want to just mention I'm quite excited because I'm going to be traveling over towards Rob Van Hoff here in just a few minutes. Weeks, isn't that right? We're yeah,
1: that's. I'm. This is uh, something that's been uh, in my prayers, just praying for this upcoming conference. It's there's a uh, a organization called the UMJA,
0: not to that be is, confused with the UMJC.
1: Correct. Yeah, UMJA, and they're uh, hosting a wonderful. Uh, conference. they do it. After- Dylan is is just gifted uh, administrator who's ar- arranged some speakers to come in. Uh, your father, Tim haig of course, will That's be right. speaking. I have a few presentations that I'm preparing, and Ariel Berkowitz and another teacher others. Resource. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, this is a conference that goes on every year. I think this is the. Th- third year i will have gone i think it's the fourth year that my father has spoken at the umj conference it's always in spokane if you are familiar with the area it's always at the davenport hotel which is like the hotel in downtown it's really spokane. nice yeah really yeah. nice facility and um it's Just all, a big Baruch Hashem. It's always a fun time. I I always have a good time going to the UMJ conference in Spokane, and there's and it's not a huge conference. Actually, it's it's one of the smaller conferences in terms of conferences. Actually, for one law messianic Judaism, it's. I would say it's huge it's you know 150 200 people uh and and that's that's quite large but you know in the grand scheme of things it's actually not that big but this year is going to be especially fun and it's going to be that it's going to be like that for several reasons first of all we have a huge amount of staff going from Tor- we have all the staff from Torah resource going to uh to to this conference, including Ariel. And he, he lives in Israel. So it's a real special treat to be able to have him with us and to hear him teach. He's a very, very gifted teacher. And, uh, so then all of us from, from Torah resource will be in one place at the same time, which is going to be a lot of fun. But then last year I, I speak about my friend, Adam Smith quite often. I'm sure he's listening. He listens to us every Thursday and, uh, I met him at the UMJA conference last year and he's going to be there again this year. So it's going to be a real fun time to be able to see him and fellowship with him and then he's going to be able to meet you for the first time, Rob, which is going to be Oh, fun. that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And so since I talk about, you know, I think almost every show I bring up Adam at, at some point and uh he's he's become a good friend because it's it's nice to have someone my age who uh you know, I have a lot in common with that is also Torah observant and uh, a believer. And to be honest, I don't have. I mean, I have people in my community that are like that, but I don't have a lot of friends. Uh, most of my friends are are people I grew up with in the church who either have left the faith or are <laughs> living the uh, the let's go to church on Sunday and forget about yeah, it the I rest get it. of the week. I get it. So, yeah. Anyway, but this
1: going to be a great time, you know. And and it's uh, it's uh, early, you know, late, right at the end of spring. There usually uh, it's not too hot in Spokane, but. Uh, one of the nice things about downtown Spokane, we have the nice river, and it's nice t- to go for a walk together. And I, I look forward to spending time with my-, my colleagues, my TRI colleagues as well, and and just uh, enjoying fellowship, prayer, and uh, just hang- the hangout time.
0: It's going to be a great time. That is for sure, and actually, I believe that there are still spots open. If you're in the Washington area, even if you're not in the Washington area, I don't care where you are. If you want to come into Spokane, you can still get tickets uh, for the UMJA conference. And if you really want information on that, you can email me directly, or I think there's a website out there. Put in UMJA conference 2014. I'm sure it'll come up sure in, in a Google search. All right, but let's move on. Uh, is that all I have to say? Oh. I, you know, I, I got I to gotta mention this, too. This is another thing that I'm getting excited for. I don't know if you know this or not yet, Rob, but uh, long story short, there's some extra room that's opening up. The, basically, the way that my office works is that my office is on one side and then on the other side of the office. And actually, I'm feet away. I'm like three feet away from... My father's desk. So my my dad and I basically work that, right. I call that thumping
1: distance. So That's if, right. If your dad needs to thump your noggin, he just reaches over and and smacks me. No. That's right. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding.
0: laughs> and yeah. uh, then attached to on the other side of the office is uh, a a woodworking, uh, basically my dad's shop. And so and then Gary Springer's desk is way in the back of our uh, it's an old garage that's converted into office space. I know it's not some glamorous. I thought I know you all thought that we were in some high-rise office building. It's not <laughs> the case. That is not the case. <laughs> we are very unprofessional. Uh anyway, so lo and behold some some space opened up in the woodworking shop and this summer we have decided that we're going to build a uh office area for me attached to the now office area, but basically built into the woodworking station or the woodworking shop. And we're going to make it kind of a sound studio. So it'll get more professional as time goes on. You'll hear the radio, the radio, uh, broadcast getting more and more professional because I'll actually have the ability to be in a sound room. It's going to get so professional that all of a sudden
1: Caleb and Rob will be replaced by higher-paid <laughs> yes, professionals. That's right. No. <laughs> that's
0: right. Yeah, you'll, get, you'll get some. We might professional. work
1: ourselves. It might get so pro that it's above our pay grade.
0: That's right. That is right. All right. Let's let's move on to more important. No, matters. but real quick though. On yes. That go for point it.
1: Of the blessing, I know that that's been uh, uh, something that's been on your heart, Caleb, for a while. Is the some audio production facility that permits you to record, edit, have the soundproof room um, right. for the production of educational resources. And that is just going to be amazing. That's a big Baruch Hashem. And that's, thanks for sharing because that's something we can continue to pray for, for Hashem's provision and guidance, just even in design and layout so, right. that, uh, so that it's really user-friendly. So you can you dive in there and you have that, that production space
0: I'm excited. I am very excited. Hey, uh, yeah, okay, so let's move on now. Let's get to some important things. If you heard my Skype go off, I apologize. That's how professional we are here. I forget to turn off my notifications. Um, okay, so let's move on. We're And basically, let me set this up for just a few seconds. And this is going to kind of give you an idea of why we're even talking about this today. Rob Van Hoff is, as I say at the beginning of every single one of our show, he is not only a friend, but he's a mentor and a teacher. And he is my teacher at Torah Resource Institute right now. He is teaching a class called Contemporary Judaisms. It is a dynamite class. If you... Uh, I, I don't care who you are or what your situation is, I highly recommend the class. I think it's excellent. It is a very heavy reading load, so you're going to need some time each week if you decide to take it when it comes around next year. But it is a dynamite class, and I'm very happy that I'm taking it. And we've gone through, uh, we're actually, today uh, marks the beginning of our last week of this quarter. And so this, this week is going to be the last week, and I am slotted to have to write a paper ...for Rob Van Hoff's class, Contemporary Judaism. So one of the, basically what, what's been going on is I have all this uh, all this stuff going on in my head from this class. I have you know all the readings that we've been doing and whatnot. And I have to choose th- two to three different topics that I want to talk about. Basically what I want to do during this show is I've had so much going on in my mind about this class... ...and some of the things that we've been talking about in this class... ...and some of the things that we've been reading... And Basically, what I want to do is I'm just going to talk through some of the issues that we've gone through, and essentially what I'm doing is I'm laying out kind of an outline of what I'm going to talk about in my in my final paper for this class, I'm doing it here on this show. But the nice part is, is that I have my teacher here to bounce ideas off. It's kind of, of like office hours that's recorded
1: right. for everybody to be in on. That's right. And so, <laughs> that's, that's wonderful, that's so,
0: fine. But, but on, beyond that, honestly, one of the things that I see going on in the Messianic movement, movement today, and maybe, maybe I'm the only one who sees this as interesting, and honestly, since I've been taking your class, Rob, uh, this has become more of a... Focal point in my thought pattern when I'm looking at different sects of Messianic Judaism. Now, Messianic Judaism is is a loaded term, I will admit. And within Messianic Judaism, you have all sorts of different wackadoo beliefs. Uh, You know, a lot of the time we joke that Messianic Judaism is just that messy messianic Judaism um, and so I don't even know if I really like that term somebody last night on I was having a back-and-forth on Twitter somebody kept saying that uh, saying that I was part of HR and I'm not lying I honestly could not figure out why the person thought I had a job in human resources Human resources
1: <laughs> I'm not
0: joking that's exactly what I thought because I, I mean I don't really think of myself as Hebrew roots but everyone else does you know what I mean? Like that's just everybody. Oh yeah, you know Caleb Torah resource Hebrew roots. Uh, that's not what I think of because when I think Hebrew roots, I think sacred namers. I think uh, two house theory. I think you know some of these kind of the math the Hebrew, the yeah, Hebrew letter yeah, meanings and stuff. exactly all that kind of stuff, which I think is nonsense. Now. Granted, we might have some listeners out there who hold to a two-house theology or uh, are, are part of the sacred name movement or whatnot. If that's, if that's who you are and what you're doing, okay, that's fine. Uh, you could email me about that. We can talk about that. I disagree with those theologies, and so I try to distance myself from those theologies. And that's why I I have a problem with, you know, the Hebrew Roots movement as a whole. However, I would have to say that I'm a part of it. Okay, so all this to say, one of the things that I have noticed is that there is somewhat of a what do I want to say? Uh a glorification as it were of of Judaism as a whole right now. And maybe not as a whole, maybe that's wrong, but orthodox Judaism and, uh, you know, even the Kabbalah and, and things like this, there's somewhat of, of people think, oh, man, look at the look at these forms of Judaism. They have it so much more right than Christianity. You know, they got it wrong because they don't have the Messiah. But if they just had the Messiah, they would be on point. That's kind of what I see as as kind of the mentality that goes along with some of these thoughts of of people coming into the Hebrew Roots movement and some of the people already in the he- Hebrew Roots movement, there is a very strong believer, and I'm not going to mention his name or his organization. And I actually respect him uh, and agree with him on on many, many, many different things. Uh, but he has tried to move towards this more orthodox, Jude- uh, you know, orthodox Jewish. Uh, sect of messianic judaism in other words wearing black and white all the time and there's nothing wrong with that don't get me wrong Uh, i'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade here what i'm trying to do is kind of give our listeners the idea of why i even think this is important for us to talk about the reason why is because i think that a lot of the time in messianic judaism what we have is a lack of understanding of what is really believed within different sects of judaism i.e. the Chabad or Hasidic Judaism as a whole, uh, all these kind of things. And I think it's actually harder for people, uh, harder than people might think, to have a true, firm uh, relationship with the Messiah Yeshua and also be a part of these kind of theologies, I don't think they can go hand in hand, and I don't think that they can work together. And so that's why we're going to talk about this today. So um, let's just move right into it. Well, here, let's say, let's can I? Yeah, go for kind it. Of,
1: some thoughts of your, your well, show, well, too. Listening to you, to your thoughts is that there are, you know, I've met Jews from Israel that are Orthodox in their practice that believe in Yeshua, Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had a chance to speak with them and try to understand, you know, their perspectives and they and then I've also heard of others. So there's, there's, uh, Jewish believers from Israelite, you know, state of Israel, Israel, mm-hmm. Hebrew speaking, um, uh, natural Jews, I guess we, you know, physical stock of Abraham faith in Messiah and having a chance to speak with them personally and learning that way and then then there's others that i've heard of and seen on on the computer and read books by that are also from israel and uh proclaiming to have uh faith in messiah while living an orthodox lifestyle okay and i tell you it's not without it's not without well, well, I, for lack of a better term, cognitive dissonance. There, it, it's not. Uh, it's not unproblematic. Okay, wait, hang on. Just for a an but, Orthodox but, but, Jew but, in Israel to believe in Yeshua, they have all sorts of challenges that they have that they are faced with. Just like we in America, just like I am challenged, you know, by different things. It's not like uh, the Orthodox Jew in Israel who believes in Yeshua has somehow arrived at the pinnacle of. Um, of spiritual fulfillment on earth.
0: Well, maybe what we should do first and foremost is could try to define some of our terms a little bit. Um, and and maybe I should have done that in the beginning. Uh, the idea of orthodoxy, okay, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a more strict uh, adherence to the commands. N- now. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. I
1: I see that as a matter of intensity. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so, so intensity can take, uh, can manifest and, and like, be expressed in um, certain cultural uh, practices. But that's where we start sliding into things that are, become tradition or cultural. And people, they could look attractive and look like that is, well, that must be the way. Yeah. That must be the way. But what I express
0: true Torah uh, obedience? I, I totally agree with you, but what I'm saying, Rob, is uh, se- several different things. First of all, when when we say Orthodox, okay, I'm not just saying that uh, you know okay let me, let me let me step back here. So when we say Orthodox, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being more intense in your Torah keeping. And you're right. There are some problems that come into that. But at the same time, what I am saying and what I'm trying to say is that there is a theology that goes along with, quote, unquote, Orthodox Judaism and specifically when you get into sex. So when you look at someone and you say, oh, they're an Orthodox Jew. Well, that's not the whole story what what kind of orthodox Jew are they are they Kabad? are they hasidic if they're hasidic what what sect of hasidic judaism are they are they do they ascribe to within each one of these quote unquote orthodox Jewish faiths okay you have different theological views Oh, right, right, right. And those theological views is what I'm saying is a problem. And what I think people don't understand, a lot of times I think people throw out this word, Orthodox Judaism. Oh, yeah, you know, I want to be more Orthodox. Now, granted, when people say, I want to be more Orthodox, that usually means level in- of intensity when it comes to um, commandments. commandments. Right. But, I, I hear you. but what, what I think people are not understanding is that, that when we say Orthodox Judaism, you have to unpack that because there are theologies that go along with, quote unquote, Orthodox Judaism. And I don't care what sect of Orthodox Judaism you're talking about. There is all these different uh, theologies. And what I'm saying is, is that people just think level of intensity of keeping commandments. No one. Well, I shouldn't say no one. Many people who are messianics don't think of theology of, of, Orthodox Judaism. And that's kind of what I want to look at today. I want to look at a couple of different ideas of Orthodox Judaism. So let's start with the Kabod. So I'm going to throw out a couple of uh, things that I think I've learned in your class, Rob. And I want you to correct me if I'm wrong and also expand on these ideas, okay? Um, so the idea in in uh, the Kabod faith is that God is... In everything, is that correct? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. The they're idea pan- is they're, they're pantheists, right? They're pantheists. Is that what is that the right word?
1: Pantheists. That that God is everywhere.
0: Yeah. Okay, and then then actually, one of the things that I read, uh, basically, this guy said, if you take it to the to the nth degree, uh, that we're, that according to, if you really take it to its end goal or its end result, essentially, we're not even here. We're an illusion, right? Well, yeah. I mean,
1: we're kind of jumping right into the middle of what has become, um, you know, a core of Hasidic, and well, specifically uh, as, as cultivated within Chabad over the last 200 years is, is the idea of that God is the only truly existent one. But they wouldn't say thing. that it, They wouldn't call God a thing, but they would say – Um, God is the only truly existent
0: And everything else else is is an illusion, right? Right. This actually gets...
1: So that the idea of... So that there's a perception, there's an illusion uh, that the world has uh, is elusive. That only God's perspective... uh, in, In other words, only God's perspective... Is true. So any other uh, perspective, other than God's perspective, is ultimately false, and they're, therefore ultimately illusion or not real. So then we wouldn't be real. So there. So the the <laughs> the practice then, the spiritual practice within Hasid, Hasidism then is annihilation of what, what they call betul. Hanefesh is one thing, betool this idea of of it literally means like to destroy or to annihilate one's the, those illusions so that all you're left with is God's perspective
0: okay so all your so, – it's kind of it it it
1: now you know there's scholars out there I'm sure that have done uh, you know more extensive uh, comparison but it, it sounds kind of Buddhist. That's,
0: okay. And, and actually, that's kind of where I'm going here. I know that we've kind of thrown uh, – thrown- Except uh, the problem is though if you talk to Buddh- Buddhists, uh, uh, many of those
1: who practice Buddhism be- don't believe that there's a god. So they don't believe in like a, a, a god and that's not what a, a, a Chabad Hasid would say. They would believe that there is god. So you, so we, I'm not saying it's exactly like Buddhism.
0: Yeah, you know, I, la- last night I was talking with my beautiful wife, Lakisha, and we were talking about this very subject. And actually, I can talk freely about her because m- my wife doesn't even listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. That sh- that shows you how how professional we really. My wife doesn't even doesn't even tune in. Well, um, she's, she's got other uh, she's got other things right going on. That's right. Um, but uh, we were talking about this, and and we were talking about the idea of the Kabbat and and Judaism in general. And she asked me. She said. Uh, you know, there's kind of this romantic idea within people's view of Judaism as a whole, but it seems to me from what you've told me that, uh, you know, what you've read to me that, that many sects of Judaism basically look a lot like new age or look like Eastern religions, like Hinduism and Buddhism. And I said, yeah, that's, you know, I, I think you're pretty right on some of that. And she said, well, then why do we treat the Jewish, you know, the, the Jewish outlook any differently than we would one of these Eastern religions. It's a good question. Uh, My response, and maybe you can give a better response. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, the Chabad idea of sin here in just a few seconds, but maybe you can give a better response to that question, uh, Rob. But my response was that God has given the Jewish people a task and has set them apart as uh, to do something specific and set them apart as his people. And even if, They reject the Messiah temporally, that is, of this earth. They still have have been chosen by God, and therefore there is some level of respect that goes along with that. That doesn't mean that we need to fall into the same bad theologies or the same mysticism that goes along with some of these beliefs. But temporally, uh, the Jewish and and Paul even says, "Don't be haughty towards the branches that have been broken off, because they can just as well be grafted back in." So uh, there is this idea that even within, even even if the branch has been broken off, even and that is that the that a Jewish person doesn't believe in the Messiah, they still have uh, some form of temporal um, choosing by God. What what would you say? What would your response be to that to that question, Rob?
1: Frame, ask it frame it slightly differently. I want to make sure I'm tra- uh, following
0: you here. Okay if Judy, if if uh, some of the Orthodox sects of Judaism are close to say Buddhism or a Eastern almost an Eastern mythology and, and an Eastern theology, uh, then why wouldn't we look at Orthodox Judaism as in, in that light of being a pagan, uh you know mystical pagan theology, why would we elevate any form of you know why would we try to emulate or try to follow any part of judaism
1: okay so it it is a it 's a fair question and the idea of it it gets us into the idea of like well what is a religion first of all right what is a like you mentioned you know in the conversation you had with Lakisha about you know what's why is if i 'm understanding why why don't uh why is there some sort of desire to connect with what's in this religion, but not in those? If ultimately they're all different, then
0: well, and, yeah, they're all not, and has. they're and they're all not true,
1: and they're all not true. Well, I would say there's a few things that have to do with just the promises of God involved. For example, the promise to Abraham, right, that uh, that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed, and that there's uh, God has an enduring covenant with the physical offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there's there's a sense of, there's a, there is a special place in the world for the physical offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that those in Messiah, and I, I take my guidance from, uh, like I think of Romans 11, I am very much on the same page the way Your father, Tim Haig, has um, understood and taught Romans, uh, the book of Romans. And so, um, understanding that we're not to boast against the branches, we are to show mercy, just as the Lord has shown us mercy by calling us to be in his Son, Yeshua, and to abide in the branch Right, or, or abide as branches in the vine, that is Yeshua, and apart, apart from whom we can do nothing, and that that is a, a relationship that is, that the floor, the very foundation of that relationship, from our perspective, is one of trusting faith. Mm-hmm. That it, It's not anything that we have done, and so there's no works that I can do that will justify or support that new creation that I am in Messiah. I am in him. It's He's the one that did the work. And it's absolutely a new creation that he has made me, whose foundation is faith. And so that takes some getting used to, you know, it, uh, when we see religions of the world that have all sorts of, seem to be like a works-based type of thing. Now, be, but back to, you know, it sounds like maybe I'm taking the long way around here, but understanding that and that the, there is an enduring promise to the physical offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that, it, that means uh, the people who have preserved, most of whom have preserved the tradition of the scriptures, the scribal tradition, um, the calendar, you know, the basic things that have kind of parallel the, The viewpoint of the Pharisee, the scribes, and the Pharisees has an an enduring cultural heritage that has, of course, it is fragmented, it is branched out, and has different expressions through history. My view, and part of you know, I'm I'm glad to hear that you that you have gotten a lot out of this course. I poured a lot. uh, It's probably one of the courses that I've uh, poured the most into in trying to in trying to present. You know something given our limitations of a ten weeks, etc, and nav- uh, you know reasonable or maybe not so reasonable reading load, etc, but how to help provide a frame for believers in Yeshua to appreciate the richness and diversity of the Jewish tradition from a perspective that is not uh, insisting on clinging to any one branch but to appreciate the whole and to understand how to. Uh, how to to identify points of connection, and uh, while maintaining what, what we would call in in systems uh, thinking self differentiation, healthy self differentiation in terms of being in Messiah, uh, and that's part of what what mercy is uh, the idea of uh, in back to Romans eleven to have mercy is towards. Towards my Jewish brothers and sisters, even if they're not believers in Yeshua, is to try to find points of connection while not abandoning my stance in Messiah. And that's not easy. It sounds simple, but that's not easy because it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to get short-sighted. It's easy to get judgmental. You know, those works of the you know our flesh is still will try to say, well, I'm right and they're wrong, you know, these kinds of things will jump up inside of us, and we need to um, learn those those fruits of the Spirit that are the more, you know, long-suffering, patience, you know, love, these types of things become more, these fruits of the Spirit become more and more important for us to discern, and that's different than, now, it doesn't mean I, you know, thinking of another religion, so if I'm dealing with the Buddhist, that doesn't mean I'm not going to um, have those same fruits of the spirit and try to teach them about Yeshua but we do have a special connection with Jewish tradition that it's just not there with other religions of the world because of this because of this story because of God's uh, salvation and history be, and because it's the, a, 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 I know I'm
0: going along no, <laughs> no no way, no, but, no you're, you're doing you you're right on track with with what I'm thinking and and, and I would say because the foundation of of Judaism is even if it's gone astray within modern Judaism, is the Torah and the promise of the coming one. Okay, let's, let's get back. Let me wrap up one point.
1: One, one thing I'm hearing you say, and I've talked to other students who have taken this class, too, that have said the same thing, and I'm so glad to hear it, and I'm hearing it from you, too. Is that you've? There's no more sense of Judaism as a monolithic faith for you. You, you, you're saying I need to see more. It's, it's almost like the person that has been reading, let's say, a certain English translation of the Bible, and they thought this was it. Well, if this was good enough for Jesus, it's the King James. Yeah, and all of a sudden
0: someone said, "Wait, Jesus, Jesus read the King James version Bible. Now, so do I."
1: Right and so now what you've learned is like wow there's actually different translations oh wow and there's actually a greek language that you can study or a hebrew language you can study and learn all of a sudden the world becomes 3D right, right. you're in a 3D world and, and you're no longer having to see this this picture that's been sold you know this marketed image that's that uh, of like the hasidic jew you know i mean chabad particularly i mean they're brilliant marketers i mean they have their websites are beautiful their books I mean they know how to make and market their idea and what they're what they're selling. And so because of that it becomes taken for granted that that is it, that that's the deal and that therefore I need to be that in order to be right. Yeah. And that's what we we need to learn uh, the wisdom of of where that comes from. In our human nature, in our fallen human nature, in our desire to be justified, our desire to be legitimate—I want to be the real deal. I, I don't want to be fake. And some, some of those uh, uh, are good intentions, but but we have to still, in the spirit, we have to discern the, you know, the flesh from the spirit, and know that our our security, our identity, is in one person. It's in Yeshua. And, it's what he did uh, and okay, it's his hey, amazing it's it, it it you know, when you when you think about the courage and how brave Yeshua
0: I mean, yeah. Okay, but hang on, that. hang on, hang on, Rob. You're you're stealing my thunder for for okay, for, go for our, it. You for, can our, take our it. for our next for our next topic here in, in just a few seconds. But before we get to that, I I, I want to move back to this idea of the Kabbalah. and and the reason I'm, I want to move back to the idea of the kebab. You know, a lot of the time with Messianic Judaism, we see people who are trying to wear only black and white and trying to almost I wouldn't say emulate, but you know, they see something in the kebab that they like and that they want to, uh, you know, be a little bit more a part of. I think. And so, uh, wh- basically, what I'm saying with the The uh, God, you know, in highlighting the idea that the God believe God is, uh, you know, in everything and uh, that if you take it to its ultimate end, that we are essentially an illusion then the question is, well, if we're an illusion and everything is God, then what is sin? And this is something that uh, was brought up within the course. The idea was is that sin is simply when God. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Rob. And and I I know I stole your thunder on on going going where you were going with Yeshua, and and we're gonna get to that. Don't worry. We're we're I'm gonna I'm gonna let you wax on that as long as you want here in just a few seconds. But I want to get back to this idea of what what sin is with the Kabbalah. So th- in my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, in my understanding the idea. Is is that God when God takes His presence away from somewhere when His when His presence isn't completely full in a place that's where that's when you have sin. Is that correct?
1: Well, you know,
0: Chabad. Now, I I'm not a
1: spokesperson for Chabad, so I need to <laughs> so to qualify. You know, take everything I say with the grain of salt, and maybe search their literature for more you know official articulations, but. It, the idea of sin in Chabad is that it's just damages it doesn 't really anger God. I mean my understanding is that sin just affects the soul, the person because they're they 're making like a mistake they're you know God said do it this way they 're going to do it a, a different way, and because they chose to do it a different way, there are natural consequences um, but but like it the sense for me is that but God is more ne- more or less um, Neutral. It's like, well, see, you did that, and now that's—but there's like—but God doesn't—my uh, sense from Chabad is that God doesn't get angry, that sin is not an offense to him. And that's that, that's markedly well, that's different. Yeah. Markedly different than than my understanding. And my understanding is that God is holy, and he's jealous for his holiness, and he has a wrath— Mm -hmm. And that wrath is on sinful mankind, unrepentant mankind. But he also, in his justice and his, his jealousy for his holiness, that he is also loving beyond what we can understand love. And that's why the greatest commandment is he says to love him with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind, and to love one another as ourselves, because that's how he loves us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so God both loves us. He and, and this, we get into John 3. You know, John 3 is a site, uh, you know, in the scriptures of where, where it says, in this way, God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That that is... That is how God loved the world. He loved the world in a way, and so in a certain way, and in this way, that he would He doesn't God does not love the world apart from what He did through Yeshua. That's that's my understanding. And that and then it goes on if you read in John three, by the end, when John the Baptist is teaching, he says that whoever is not in the Son, the wrath of God abides on that person that they've already been condemned because they haven't believed in the one upon whom God has put a seal. And so from, from the, those who, who hold the apostolic writings as, as Holy scripture, we, the picture that we are taught, the way that we're taught to think about things is to understand that God's wrath is just like in Romans one, the right, the wrath of God is revealed Right? Uh, and I think it's 1 17, 18, 19, right in there. But also, the righteousness of God is revealed. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul puts those right next to each other in chapter one of, of his epistle to the Romans, explaining that God's wrath because of man's sin is on the world. But, and so, Yeshua comes not to judge and condemn, but to save. To save from what? It's like Noah. It's like Noah preaching righteousness and people mocking him while he's building this boat, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this guy's crazy, making fun of him. Who knows? You know, I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not—I've <laughs> heard funny things about it. So I, uh, but I haven't of,
0: seen the movie. <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, no, I know. The book is—if uh, you go see the movie, uh, be careful. I, I hear it's they take a lot of uh, midrashic expansion, you know, uh, freedoms. But in any case, so I, I just know that's a hot thing this year, Noah. Uh, but anyway, back to biblical Noah, right? I mean, God— God judged, God was angry. And he he his justice needed expression and it was expression through sending the flood. But but his his anger just and this was just anger. This wasn't reactionary, immature, you know, kind of anger that we sometimes feel as humans. This was jealousy for his holiness and who he was as the creator and the honor he deserves that he also, it says Noah found favor in his eyes and he saved, he created, he put forth a way to preserve mankind so that, because there was an ultimate promise, of course, that we know of, that the Messiah would come, but he saved, he provided a way of saving. And, and it says in a, in uh, Hebrews that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. I think that's in Hebrews, but but we don't see any other people any other humans uh, repenting and saying hey i i've sinned and, and um, i believe i believe i believe that you are what you say is true god's going to judge the world what can i do we don't that didn't happen it was only noah's small family and the animals that were preserved through that so god's justice and his wrath is not expressed without his also expressing his love at the same time.
0: Actually, you're, you're hitting on an issue that I basically, you know, I've been, I'm not going to say I've been dealing with, but there are certain people who I've been talking to, you know, the whole um, Rob Bell love wins thing. My my contention with that is that Rob Bell doesn't understand what love is. He's right that love wins. Love does win in the end. God's love wins. But Rob, Rob Bell doesn't understand what, what love actually is because he thinks that love... I, haven't, a- I haven't, I mean, I've seen...
1: A bunch of his videos, uh, but I haven't seen any. Uh, I'm kind of ignorant when it comes to his. I, I just decided I just it a, was he, better for a, me he, to avoid. He's
0: a, <laughs> he's a universalist. We're getting completely off topic now. And actually, we're you know honestly uh, coming into this, I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to fill a whole hour with with this, but we've actually only. Uh, I have in my notes here. You know, I have these notes that I write out before before we do a show, and and uh, I I have like I put. Uh, numbers next to every single point, you know, and so we've hit point one and I have like eight points here. So back to, back to well, the idea.
1: My yeah. understanding of, of Chabad is that a, a sin does not offend God. It's just, has consequences for the soul that sins. And But it's no offense to the creator.
0: Well, I guess my point with H- Chabad, and we're going to move on here in, in just a second. But I guess my, my point with Chabad is because since it's probably one of the more well-known, I wanted to hit on that first. And the whole the whole reason I wanted to hit on that first is because if you're listening to this, I highly recommend, you know, you've heard us say things like uh, almost putting it up there with uh, on par with Buddhism. Uh, when you really look at the, the theology of the Chabad, uh, and you really look at, uh, you know, how their their theology works and how it relates to their understanding of God and all that kind of, everything like that, uh, it, is, it is not, I don't think it's what most people think it actually is. It is very, very, uh, it reeks of Eastern mysticism almost. And uh, so... I guess the whole point of bringing up Chabad in the first place is to say this might be the most popular, but uh, do some research. It's, <laughs> it's kind of intense, uh, some of the things that I've read about what the Chabad believe, things that I never knew. Things that I w- was very surprised about, and things that make me now realize I really don't want to be associated with the Chabad theology in any way, shape, or form. Let's move on. We're going to move on to Hasidic Judaism in general and the idea of a tzaddik. And this is probably one of the things uh, that really hit me the most in this course was what a tzaddik was. Now, I spent time, for those of you who don't know, I spent six months in Israel. I spent two of those months down in the old city of Jerusalem, living in the old city of Jerusalem. And so I was immersed in the, uh, you know, I'm by no means am I an expert or do I even, you know, there are people who have just done a minimal amount of study who know much more than I do. And I'm going to make, I'm going to tell you, uh, something about my understanding of the, of the Hasidic. Uh, and it's going to show my utter ignorance when it comes to the, the Hasidic movements. Uh, when, When I was in Jerusalem, and even after Jerusalem, basically all the way up until I took this course, I just thought that a tzaddik was uh, the leader of a sect. I thought that it was a very righteous man. So, you know, uh, in essence, in my understanding up until I took this course, you could say to someone, or you could say, oh yeah, you know, my pastor is a true tzaddik. Uh, He's a true righteous man. What I didn't understand is how loaded the word tzaddik is, and what and or the, it, it has become. It has become, and there is actually, yeah, because there's biblical tzaddik. Oh, sure, there's nothing wrong with what you were saying.
1: Like my pastor is a tzaddik or something, but, you know. I mean,
0: but I guess my point is is that there is now a theology that goes along with this word tzaddik when you're, especially when you're talking to Jewish people and uh, people who have some understanding of Hasidic Judaism. So, I want to read some of what we have read in our class and and this is so packed full of of so many things we could talk about. But what I, what what really struck me is the idea that we have a physical living Zadiq here with us now. His name is Yeshua. And Amen. And so as I read the, some of the I I got three little excerpts. We're going to talk about each one of these little excerpts. As I read these, just have in mind, I I don't think you can, as a believer, I don't think you can read through these and not think to yourself, Yeshua. But listen to how, uh, this is from, uh, what uh, dictionary was this, Rob? I can tell you. This is from the uh, YIVO Encyclopedia. Okay. Oh, excellent website. Uh, Yeah.
1: YIVO. If well, you looked that, if anybody wants to look that up,
0: it is an excellent website, and and I believe it's Jewish, right? They, I mean, they're not. It's not like Christians who are trying to explain. No, this who,
1: is. And it's uh, yeah, this is absolutely. This, is, this
0: comes from the Center for Jewish History, I believe. Oh no, no, yeah. no, that maybe that's an external link. Anyway, um, so th- this is Jews writing about Judaism. This is not Christians writing about Judaism or anything like that. It's are
1: you are you uh, is it Yosef Dan or Joseph Dan the. Is he the um, author of what you're quoting here? I don't, I don't know what you're looking at. Uh,
0: yes, it, you're right, Joseph Don Dan. Okay, so um, this is the first quote I'm going to use. Okay, this is about the Zadik. The core of the theory of the Zadik maintains that there is a pact between the leader and his community, which exists on two levels, spiritual and physical. On each level, the duties of the leader and those of the community are clearly spe- specific. Uh, specified. I'm sorry. On the spiritual level, the community owes the Zadi complete faith and loyalty. It has to perceive him as the intermediary between themselves and God, as the divine representative in their midst, and their worship of God is to be directed through him. Complete loyalty to the Zadik and his dynasty on the part of the, Hasid, uh, of the Hasidim are their fa- and their families is demanded. And, he, and a Hasidic, uh, I'm sorry, and a Hasid identifies himself according to this dynasty. There is no universal Hasid. One is a Satagora Hasid or a Lubavitch Hasid or a Beltz Hasid. Without adherence to a leader and his dynasty, there is no Hasidim.
1: Hasidism, so, right.
0: Yeah. Right. So, in other words, uh, you have to have a tzaddik to lead your, your sect to be considered Hasidic. Right. And if you
1: hear the term like the Rebbe, yeah. like R E B B E, that is an endearing term for a tzaddik. It's not just anybody who's going to be called a Rebbe. It's, the Rebbe is another word for the, another name they call the, the tzaddik of a dynasty.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh,
1: like Schneerson, the so, Rebbe. Uh, that being, it's implied that he is the tzaddik, and all the Hasidism, Ah Hasidim, that cling to him as their uh, tzaddik, um, then are. Uh, that would be the Lubavitch, yeah, Hasidic group.
0: So, so, but the other thing that I mean, the, the first thing I thought, wow, there are so many things going on in my head when I when I first read that. Uh, but one of the first things that I that I thought to myself was. Uh, so essentially, as a Messianic Jew, or uh, someone who holds to a Messianic faith, I should say, uh, it is very debatable whether or not I should be considered Jewish or not. I would consider myself Jewish by blood. Many, uh, Most Jews would not. My mother's not Jewish, my father is. Anyway, not the point. As a, as a believer and a Messianic who holds to the commands of Torah, or as best I can, I would say that since I have a, a, a tzaddik, essentially, according to this, and according to what this, what what Joseph Dan has laid out, uh, I actually hold to a form of Hasidic Judaism. Correct? Sure. Yeah. The because, difference is that tzaddik
1: in the Hasidic communities is something that is passed on sometimes from father to son, or that tzaddik will... Will, there will be an heir when he physically dies that becomes the new tzaddik for the community.
0: Sure, but I could, I could argue the same because um, my, the dynasty that I follow is the house of David, right? And my tzaddik hasn't died. My di- that's exactly. That's the difference. The difference is that we have an enduring tzaddik. Yeah, he lives forever, and he was, and he was, uh, you know. The scripture says that uh, I. Uh, what's the psalm that says I said to my lord, or my lord said to me? But uh, anyway, yeah, the lord
1: said to my lord sit at my right hand. Yeah, That's Yeah, exactly. 110.
0: Exactly. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, well, here's
1: here's the thing. If just while we're talking, you know, we mentioned. Lubavitch, it came up. For example, Schneerson died and died didn't 96. leave an heir. He didn't leave an heir. Yeah, So right. he was the seventh uh, line of the tzaddik for what? the Chabad. He didn't leave an heir. And so now the conundrum is, we all of a sudden we have this massive group of Hasidim who are, they're not just any, uh, it's not this generic Hasidism, it's they are Hasids two that person they've considered a tzaddik, but yet he dies, doesn't leave an heir. So then you have some of them say, well, he's still alive, and he's the Messiah. Well, and, they, they, you know, Yeshua, 2,000 years ago, Yeshua said people will be coming and say, here, the Messiah, here's the Messiah. He said, don't listen to him.
0: There's tons of other issues that are we don't have
1: anyone before Yeshua saying this. Yeshua is the – he came first on the scene. Yeah. He set up the thing, and I
0: see all these others as, like, uh distorted. Ripping them off echoes. Yeah. and uh, Well, the, Schneerson, is, they, it's interesting that you bring up Schneerson because there are significant issues that go on with uh, with Schneerson. First of all, it was prophesied that the seventh Lubavitch rabbi would be the Messiah. That was Schneerson. Uh, he was the seventh Lubavitch rabbi. And also, uh, it's interesting to me that people say, oh, well, the reason that we can't accept Messianic Jews or Christians is because they say that Yeshua is God. Uh, well, there has been Hasidic Kabad, Uh, that Lubavitchers who say that Schneerson is who he is, which is a specific, I mean, I am who I am is basically what they're saying. He is who he is. It, which is a reference to him in some way being divine. They say that he'll come back, he'll be the first person to raise from the dead and that he will be the, you know, that he's the messiah, he'll be the first person to raise from the dead, so on and so forth. So, I mean, there's definitely not only there not only is there uh are they misguided in terms of who the true tzaddik is, obviously, but they have uh deified Schneerson as not only messiah but as god as well. And, and then the 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 whole community then split that's a, right as eternal,
1: because you have followers who don't want to go there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so uh, let's just look at real quick at a little bit of what what this says. So the core of the theory of the Zadig maintains that there is a a pact between the leader and his community. Obviously, we have that with Yeshua, which exists on two levels, spiritual and physical. I would say that we have that as well. On each level, the duties of the leader and those of the community are clearly specified. On the spiritual level, the community owes the Tzaddik complete faith and loyalty. Obviously, we have that within within our faith in Yeshua, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no... Back to the...
1: I am the vine, you are the branches. I mean, there's, we don't have life apart from him.
0: That's so. right. That's right. Um, as the divine representative in their midst, so the zadi is the divine representative in their midst, just as Yeshua is our divine representative in our midst, and their worship of God is directed through him. Our prayers are taken to the Almighty through the inner, you know, Yeshua is our intercessor. He's, between- our,
1: he's our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek
0: exactly. Okay, let's move on now, okay? So uh, w- with that kind of laid out in your mind uh, of what the, Hasid- what the Tzadik is to the Hasidic uh, community, let's move on. The, ha- uh, the Tzadik's role as an intermediary re- requires him to move spiritually from the divine realm to earth and vice versa. ...in a constant rhythm. Hasidim described the various states of the Tzaddik reflected in his moods by means of Kabbalistic terms. And then they give some of those Kabbalistic terms. He brings from above the, sh- the sh- shifa, shifa, divine flow. Yep. Uh, it's it's transliterated. It's not in Hebrew, so I butchered it. Sorry. Which sustains life and, exi- and existence and elevates the spiritual faith and devotion of the righteous from the earth to the, to the divine powers, sustaining and strengthening them. I mean, to me, this just—it sounds almost as if they ripped off the ideas that were put forth yeah, about exactly. Yeshua in the, exact, in the apostolic exactly scriptures. I, I mean, they've taken—they've
1: taken like the—the the more you know, they've taken First Corinthians 15, they've taken Colossians, they've taken Ephesians, and it's like they've read them, but then, like, but we don't want Yeshua, so we have to make this—we have to do it somewhere else. Yeah, we have to go, and we're going to try to build our own, and then and then we're going to say that ours is the real deal. Uh, it's like a false. It's. Uh, I think that, they, but but the, here's the one thing that I. Well, here, if I may say, this is you know for those who are feel drawn to understand and to study this, this is an opportunity to actually share Yeshua. You know, you could pray. You know that that. The Lord would guide you and help you understand this. And then when you have an opportunity to meet someone who really is, uh, shows a, a, a piety towards this type of, of understanding, you know, you can really, I think, you know, the Lord could use uh, that to help leverage them and understand who Yeshua is. You know,
0: that he is the true tzaddik. There, there is no other. Well, here's my point, Rob, is that, you know, I feel like, and, I'm, okay, I, I've grown up in the church, the Messianic uh, Fellowship. I've, I've, you know, I've grown up learning under my father. So I'm not, it's not like I've been sheltered from anything or like the people around me aren't learned. That's definitely not the case. I've been given every opportunity to understand and to learn uh, the truth from the scriptures and to be guided by, by well-versed people. But one of the things that I think happens even within and not across the board by any stretch of the imagination, but even within, uh, you know, Messianic Judaism and people who, who, uh, who even have a true faith and a true relationship with the almighty. Uh, one of the things that I think that we tend to do as believers, I know that I've done this before and I still do it from time to time and I'm trying very hard not to, is I think of Yeshua as this, as this guy in the sky sitting in the throne room of God who, you know, he kind of has a microphone up to his he- ear. He can hear me every once in a while. And, when he, you know, when I speak to him, he hears me, and he, tell- and he turns over, and he, and he tells God, this is what's going on. I think it's this kind of— uh, Like he's the divine switchboard operator. Like that's got- exactly right. And and we say we use these words like uh, personal relationship, and uh, you know he's he's in our midst, and and he's the leader of our congregation. We use all these kind of words and whatnot. But what I think I see in this in the in the Hasidic uh, idea is we have you know they say we have Arzadik with us. He's here with us. He's in our midst. We can talk to him. We can ask him all these questions. He answers us. It's a it's a Real relationship. What I'm, what I think, I, uh, what I'm trying to convey, I guess, is that we have that exact same relationship. We need to switch our mindset from this, exactly what you said, Rob, this divine switchboard operator in the sky, to the Tzadik who dwells among us, who is with us daily, who, uh, you know, is should be part of our decisions, who should guide us every single day, who should be, you know, he is. He is the leader of our congregation, really. I mean, not that he's just, you know, in the sky listening to the prayers of, of my congregation or the prayers of your congregation. No, he is in the, you know, he's in the seats. He's with us. He is this tzaddik. And I think if we actually start to think of Yeshua as our physical Zadiq that is with us, that we have a relationship with, I think that that, that mindset will help us go further.
1: Uh, oh, I, I I think you're right on, Caleb. I'm reminded, you know, the very end of Matthew 28, the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. The very end, he, you know, I, I always hit these these the four alls, right? And it, in Greek, it's the same word. It, it's hard to translate it all as all, but it's all authority has been given to me. You know, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the second time, and the name of the Father and of the Son of the Ruach Hakodesh, teaching them to obey all. That I've commanded you, that's the third all mm. and it says, I am with you every day yeah always <laughs> and, uh, yeah and but it's but it's every day, it's all day is literally what it is, yeah. but it's all the days, uh, even unto the you know unto the end of time end of age so this that his he has promised his enduring presence with us that our life is his life that' we're, we're not to think of ourselves as separate from him. But he he is our life. And that's what Paul, I think, in, in times it's so—Paul starts—Paul's trying to explain these this kind of paradox. You know, it's not—he says in Galatians 2, it's not me. It says, I live, but it's not me, but it's Messiah in me because I died. You know, I mean, he's—it's like—it almost sounds like, like, are you crazy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, yeah. but what he's trying to do, he's trying to explain something that's that we really don't have the right words for. It's something that— it's, it has to do with new creation life. You know, it's beyond the earthly ability to really articulate.
0: You know, without even realizing it, I think that uh, N.T. Wright actually did a lecture series that kind of hit on some of these subjects. The lecture series is called "How Jesus Became King." Uh, excellent series, actually. I, it's not even a series; it's just one lecture which he did uh, here in the United States, and but he did it in several different places. You can find it on uh, online. Anyway, uh, I listened to. Uh, two, basically the same lecture, but it was, uh, done in two different places. I listened to both those lectures last night. And he brings up some of these same kind of points about Yeshua actually being with us and how God's kingdom has been ushered in and how we fight to, uh, you know, to place our king, uh, and eventually, obviously the Messiah will, will place himself. We, it will have nothing to do with us, but how we fight for the kingdom that's at hand right now. Before we leave, I want to finish with uh, this last little quote from, from the same uh, Joseph Dan uh, and uh, about what Has- Hasidic Judaism is and uh, the idea of the Tzadik. And then I want to read one little passage from the Apostolic Scriptures. So he says, By putting their faith, that is the community's faith, into the into their Tzadik, hasid- Hasidim are assured of constant contact with God as mediated by the Tzadik, the closer they are to him, visiting him frequently on holidays, living close to the town of his residence, the closer they are to divine providence and protection. Okay, so with that in mind, I now want to go over here to First John 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua the Messiah, the Tzaddik. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. And just the idea of that quote of, you know, the person who lives closer to the zaddiq, the person who, you know, sees him on holidays and lives close to the town that he's in and those kind of things. Our tzaddik is with us. He is living with us and in us. He is, uh, he should be a part of every single aspect of our lives. And uh, when I, I think if we start to turn our minds to the idea that we have our physical zaddiq with us at all times and that it's not just some God in the sky, some spirit in the sky, but it is the physical person of Yeshua who is with us at all times. I think it will go far for us and do, do things for our faith. Anything else you want to add? Absolutely.
1: Well, I just think this is fitting, you know, we just uh, wrapping up the, the wonderful spring feast season and the counting of the Omer. That's right. and, and then the celebration of Shavuot, which of course is uh, ultimately expressed in that that first season after Yeshua's uh, suffering and death and resurrection and ascension, the giving of the Ruach HaKodesh so that which is the empowering. If you remember back to Acts chapter 1, they say, "Well, I mean, they're hanging out with him for 40 days during the counter of the Omer." and what do they say? Okay, Rabbi, are you are you going to like set up the kingdom now? You know, are we like yeah. ready to yeah, are, exactly. you know, you're here, right? You're like this is the new thing. Like you're here now, you're resurrected, now we're just going to go, you know, take over the world. Yeah, let's tromp on Rome now. Yeah, let's kick Rome out. Let's let's set this up. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, they're still they've been through everything. They they were scattered at his arrest, right? You know, Peter's been restored. You know, Peter denied him. They didn't believe, you know, when the, when the, they heard initially the report of his of his resurrection, that it was hard for them to believe. You know, Thomas didn't believe. He says, unless I see him and, just you know, see his wounds and touch his wounds, I'm not even going to believe. You know, I mean, these are people who are like, they've been through everything that we think that we would love to have been there for, you know, to be an insider, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be able to be intimate, you know, those settings and hearing hearing Yeshua 's words just come off his lips you know, and just be in the room and be sitting around the fire with Yeshua, but yet these people are still not getting the whole picture That's you know right. and he he says, you know not many did. just a week from now, basically you know don't don 't leave Jerusalem, wait, and you're going to get something just like Johan and Hamat Beel, just as John the Baptist said you know. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with, with the Ruach HaKodesh. So you are, you're going to receive power authority from on high so that you can take that Great Commission, and you can go do it, and I am with you. And so that's another thing that, that you know, we can see these uh, kind of faint shadows in like the Hasidic uh, theory of the Tzadik that you shared, you know, from Joseph Dan's description. Uh, but it 's Yeshua is that, but then he he kicks it into overdrive and uh and this is two thousand years ago you know this just this isn 't a you know something that emerged in Judaism from the seventeen hundreds which is what we 're seeing when we talk about hasidism it 's it 's ancient and it 's the first, and everything else is a copy it 's a it 's a uh you know an attempt to try to draw is as, as pious as some of these Jews are, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that they're not uh, sincere in what they believe, but they've, they're, they're not always zealous, we know, for the right things. Like Paul writes in Romans 10, you know, they have a zeal for God, uh, but it's not according to the knowledge of how, how God, uh, God's way of righteousness and reconciliation is only through Yeshua. It's not That's through right. any other person that we would call it tzaddik. But that empowering at the, at the Shavuot, at the Pentecost, is is we can participate in that we are called to be part of us that's who we are we're part of that new creation that new uh people in Yeshua and that he has promised back to the matthew 28 he's to be with us wherever we are he says you ask when we ask for something in his name and he says my father will do it Why? what does that mean to ask and pray for something in Yeshua's name it means that we're on we're on mission that's right we're on mission, and when we ask for for the sake of Yeshua's mission, for the sake of who Yeshua is, the Father is going to provide that because that's what He He's about. Yeshua was He says, "I'm about my Father's business," and as He sent me, I send you. And learning our, one of our challenges is how do we how do we learn to walk in the Spirit, and not the and to put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's our that's that's our business too. You know, as, of course. Um, in our relationship with others and sharing the good news of of our new creation and Messiah and basically the gospel message, we still have our internal growth, you know, of discernment between the new man and the old man and and that's an ongoing. That's that's our Torah study, really. I that's mean, right. we, uh, we could you know another aspect to studying contemporary Judaism is those groups that rejected the Hasidism, Hasidim. You know, the more the what we call the Deem uh, tradition. You know, they were all about Torah study. Why? Because Torah study is what puts to death the, the evil inclination. And so they, they skew their lives. They become, they become ascetics, you know, like trying to stay up all night and study Torah every night, keep your feet in ice. And, and there's all sorts of ascetic behavior to try to stay focused on Torah study because that's what... But then all the other things in life that we're called to do get put on the back shelf, Marriages, you know,
0: uh, <laughs> the, the real, all the, these r- other the real, the real parts of Torah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so go I, for it. You're gonna, you gonna No, go I, I realize I'm just rambling. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, you know, I I think what the whole point is, and the whole reason that uh, that we want that I wanted to do this show in the first place was to basically show people and to tell people don't romanticize the uh, idea of these sects of Judaism. Um, They have some, you know, they come from Torah. They have some great things to teach us, but... Don't get wrapped up in all of uh, all of the nonsense and a lot of what these sects of Judaism, the Chabad, the Hasidic, uh, a lot of what they they believe is just that—it's nonsense. And so don't don't romanticize uh, these these sects of Judaism. Uh, well, we're we're at the end of our time, and uh, if you have noticed, last week and this week we did not have a commercial, nor did we have a Tech Minute, and the reason why is because we're just having so much fun talking about these kind of things that we just haven't had time. And that's okay. You know why? Because Rob and I, uh, we're in control of this show. Actually, the Almighty is. But uh, he gives us control every once in a while. And we have the freedom to do things like that. Like not take a commercial break and not give you a tech minute. But maybe we'll bring those back at some point. Um, Until next time, I do hope that you remember who our true Tzaddik is. Our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah.